unto thee, O Lord. Do I lift up my
Happy New Year. If you are visiting with us, and I've seen several visitors this morning, we are so excited to have you here. We have a friendship register on each pew. We'd ask that that be passed down the pew so we can uh, get a record of everyone's attendance this morning. If you're joining us on social media, we welcome you as well. I realize that you may have already put your contribution in one of the collection vehicles this morning, but as we reach forward in 2023, one of the things we wanted to do was emphasize that giving is an act of worship. And uh, so beginning this morning, we will pass the collection plate. I know that there is no um, worship bulletin, so for your information, leading us in our worship this morning, Gibson Foster will be leading our singing, Brother Stephen Guy will have the opening prayer, Brother Stephen Hodgen the scripture reading, Ken Forrest will bring us the lesson of the day, Cameron Jumper will lead us as we observe the Lord's Supper. And Brother Jerry Barrett will have closing announcements and prayer. Would you bow with me, please? Our loving Heavenly Father, we are so thankful that we can begin this new year assembled together to worship Thee. We pray, Father, that You would bless us as we reach forward to that heavenly goal. We love You, Father, and we pray that You would bless our worship this morning. In Christ's name we pray, amen. The first song this morning will be 535, Glory Land Way. Let's start this new year off singing to our Lord and Jesus. Our Lord Jesus. Let's all sing. I'm in the way, the right shining way. I'm in the glory land way. Setting the world as Jesus said today. I'm in the glory land way. I'm in the glory land way. I'm in the glory land way. Oh, 
for this beautiful day that you've given us and just this day of new beginnings. And God, we thank you that you allowed each of us here this morning to see a new year, to get a new start. God, we know that no one's ever been in this day, in this week, in this year, and you've put us here in this time with a purpose to do your will. And God, we just ask that we do it. When our faith is weak, God, we just pray that you strengthen it. When our minds drift and think thoughts that we shouldn't think, please help us focus it back on you. God, when our spirit fails, please renew it. Please give us the strength, the focus, and the energy this year to overcome evil with good to do the things that you would have us do in the time that you would have us to do it we love you father and we're so thankful for all that you do for us and everything we have is because you've given it to us please forgive us where we failed you in jesus name amen The invitation song today will be Hark the Gentle Voice, 907. 
The song before the lesson today will be It Is Well With My Soul, 490. Uh, if you are willing and able, please stand. When peace Book of Philippians, chapter 3, or uh, verses 12 through 14. Philippians 3, 12 through 14. Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Jesus Christ has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do. 
forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Jesus Christ. Thank you, Stephen. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to 2000. most important thing you could have. And I am praying so earnestly that we will begin with this very positive assertion that we're committed to serve the Lord. We're going to be here and participate. With that in mind, we are just ever going to be reaching forward. Paul said, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press 
toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I pray, and I hope you pray too, that beginning today, we are going to ever be reaching forward. So all year, (laughs) one way or another, we are going to be stressing that idea and we are going to be growing and moving every step of the way, encouraging one another to that end. Yes? So with that thought in mind today, guess what the sermon title is? (laughs) Reaching forward. I want to stress this text, take out its little component parts and make some Make some applications, practical things for us so that today truly will be a step forward. And all through the year, we'll be emphasizing, re-emphasizing, added to that concept. Before we start, let's pray that God will bless us in our endeavor to know his will today. Please bow with me. Our Father, we thank you for this opportunity to be together to worship you in spirit and in truth. Very first thing on our minds today, Lord, was preparing our hearts, souls, minds, spirit to come and assemble here with our brothers and sisters and worship you. I pray, Lord, that with that same enthusiasm, we will meet every single day and with greater emphasis that first day of the week, every week, to lift you up and to glorify you. And I pray that our lives Every step of the way will reflect the commitment that we've made to this very first day of the year. But Lord, for today, and especially just for these next few minutes that we spend together, I pray that you will bless me as the communicator of your word, that I'll be able to speak your truth in such a way that is understandable that is packaged in some ideas and concepts that are easy to understand and that will help to promote the very forward thinking that we're talking about this year. I pray also, Lord, for those who hear your words today, even if I'm not adequate, I pray that your word will touch their heart anyway in spite of me. And that it will make the impression that you intended for it too the first time that it was penned. And I pray, Lord, that those words will find their place in our hearts solidly and be a light and a guide to us. Thank you, Lord, for the marvelous things that you will work today. And I thank you, Lord, that we have brought our hearts open to you in our assembly this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I want to to think with you about Solomon for just a moment. Solomon was great in that he wrote an entire book that chronicled his effort to find some real purpose in life. And he opened some doors that most of us open when we're trying to find purpose or satisfaction in our lives. Sometimes we're trying to find our purpose or our satisfaction just in sheer pleasure. If for nothing else, we say we want to be happy. And Solomon certainly tried everything that he could think of in the pursuit of just outright pleasure. But he noted that ultimately it was vain. 
vanity of vanities, he would say often. He also thought, well, maybe, you know, purpose, success, happiness, maybe that can be found in the accumulation of material things. And, well, you know, Solomon wasn't anybody comparable to the wealth that he possessed or had access to. But that did not bring him satisfaction, pleasure, purpose to life either. Solomon is known for his wisdom, but really wisdom is just kind of a descriptor of a lot of different things that Solomon sought after in the accumulation of things for his mind. And so we might even back up from that and say, well, you know, Solomon tried to find some purpose, satisfaction, a degree of happiness just by accumulating, acquiring a lot of knowledge. But even in that, he said, you know, there's no end to the writing of books, chapter 12 and verse 12. And in fact, studying all those books really just results in weariness to our bones. Even the accumulation of knowledge to him in the long run, if that's really all that we're about, is it's vain. It's a waste of time. Vanity of vanities. But what he did conclude is found in chapter 12, verses 13 and 14. He said, here's the conclusion of the whole matter, and I would know because I've tried it all. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is man's all. For he says, God will bring every work into judgment, including every sacred thing, whether good or evil. Ultimately, what's going to bring our purpose, our satisfaction, our genuine happiness in life, it's not going to be superficial things that truly are passing and then we could rightly say are vain. What's really going to matter is what we're investing in eternal spiritual things. For Solomon, the expression was the idea of seeking after God of fearing him and keeping his commandments. The Apostle Paul, though, when he's writing to the Philippians, and keep in mind, he's writing from a jail cell, and so he's in the worst possible circumstances, but as he's writing to them, he really gives us what would ultimately be a great philosophy for any Christian, anyone who's striving to seek after the things that Solomon purported to be true success, Paul is really wrapping up in these couple of verses here. He says, look, I, I don't consider myself to have apprehended. I don't think I've got it all together. I haven't accomplished what I set out to do. But the one thing that I do do, I forget the things which are behind me and I reach forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Now Paul would say in a lot of different ways, but one way that's pretty straightforward, the idea that, look, I, I'm committed to following the Lord. I'm committed to seeking those things which are spiritual. So what I'm encouraging you to do is to seek the same things. And if you need me as an example, that's fine. Since I've committed myself to that, you watch me or, as he says in 1 Corinthians 11 and verse 1, imitate me as 
I also imitate Christ. So far as I'm being successful in seeking after the Lord, so far as I'm being successful in keeping the will of the Lord, you follow in my very footsteps. I'm committed to it, not saying I'm perfect, but so far as I'm reflecting Jesus' teachings, which you should know, let my life be an encouragement to you. You follow in my steps. So if, if we had done that, then we would be able to say, along with the Apostle Paul, and really what is his final declaration and the summing up of all things. Similar, similar to Solomon's wrapping things up, Solomon seems to just be resigned to the fact that everything I tried didn't work, but what I started out knowing is ultimately what was true, fear God and keep his commandments. Paul said, you know what, I started out with that idea. And as I went through my life, sure there were ups and downs, but he says, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 7 and 8, I've fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I've kept the faith. Finally, there's laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me in that day. And not to me only, but also to all those who have loved his appearing. Well, there it is. Did you follow me? Because Paul says, if you did follow me, my declaration is I've come to the end of my life. I've done it. And now I know the reward that awaits me. If you'll do that too, you can have the same reward. Seems to me that if we could understand, appreciate, just in the simplest ways, this beautiful declaration that he's making in our text today from Philippians chapter 3, especially verses 13 and 14, then we will know that there are some things in our lives that we need to leave behind to forget, to leave in the past. There are some things that currently we need to lay hold of and begin to reach forward to grasp more, to concentrate on what is important. And then finally, to seek after and then ultimately secure the prize that awaits those who go through that very process of leaving some things behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead of us. So let's break it down into those three very simple points. And let's begin by thinking about the idea of forgetting those things which are behind. I want to forget the past. Now, what, what exactly does it mean to forget? I heard about city dweller who decided he was going to make a trip to the country to see his cousin. His cousin was a farmer wasn't really accustomed to all that farm living, and so most of what he saw was kind of new to him, and every experience was a delight. But the thing that really amazed him was that the farmer had this dog out there in the field, and the farmer could whistle, and then that dog would, man, he would go to work. That dog could round up every single cow that was out there in that field, round them up, get them into the barn. Then the dog would take the gate and shut the gate, could then reach up with its paw and slap the latch and lock the cows in the barn. And the city guy is just like, wow, what, what's the dog's name? And the farmer thought for a minute, it's like, Huh, uh, hey, um, what, what, what is that 
what is that flower that's red and smells really good and maybe has thorns on? A, a rose? Yeah, that's right. So he turned to his wife and he said, hey, Rose, what's the name of that dog that we have? <laughs> now, that's some forgetfulness, yes? When he says that he wants us to forget those things which are behind, he is not suggesting that somehow or other we can just block out our past. I'm thinking maybe you've wrestled with that at one point in your Christian life. You know, I've been forgiven of sin, but I keep thinking about it. I should feel better, right? I ought not have to have those thoughts come back or remember it. I wish I could forget, truly. But actually, the idea of forgetting is not that somehow or other, magically, miraculously, or I just hit myself in the head with a hammer, that I can forget it and it's no longer a problem. I, I no longer have a record in my mind of what I did. That is not the idea of forgetting. The idea of forgetting is that I am not going to allow the past to affect, to have an influence, to direct my present. To forget, or let's put it this way, not to remember, is that I'm not dwelling on the things that happened to me back there because that's not where I am anymore. I've been forgiven of those sins. I've, I've put that in my past. So I'm going to forget it in the sense that I'm not going to let what's happened to me, what I've been loosed from, continue to affect what's happening to me in my life right now. I'm moving on. The Apostle Paul who writes this certainly had some things he would have wanted to forget, don't you think? Really, and, and maybe don't think of it this way, but forgetting involves a lot of different things, not necessarily negative things. For instance, Paul was a very educated man. And so Paul makes the assertion, actually in this very chapter, Philippians chapter 3, back at verse 7, he says, the things that were gain for me, I have counted loss for Christ. In other, th in other words, the things that were a part of my life before I knew Jesus I have basically just thrown them in the trash. Now let's think about that for a moment. In Galatians chapter 1 at verse 14, Paul describes some of that baggage from the past. And he says, well, as regards the life that I used to live, when you compare me to my contemporaries in the Jewish faith, he says, I was advanced above all of them. And so he had a tremendous education with regard to the law. In fact, he knew probably more than anybody his age. And then he says, not only that, but he says, I was exceedingly zealous for the traditions of my fathers. In other words, it isn't just the law that I know, but I know of all of those hedges that they have put around the law. And, and if I wanted to, I could just point my finger at just about anybody and who would ever call me into question? I was one of those people who was so highly educated and so well thought of and had such a reputation within the framework of Judaism that no one would have ever questioned me. But he said, you know how to do with that? I take that. 
now that I'm in Jesus Christ, and I just toss all of that in the trash. But I'm guessing that there's no wonder he would do that because along with all that education and his commitment and his zeal for Judaism and its traditions, also came some other baggage, other things he would have wanted to forget. And if you go back one verse, you find his declaration there in Philippians 3 verse 6 that he persecuted the church. Now, sometimes we hear that word persecution, and I don't know, growing up, I always kind of made a difference between persecution and execution. <laughs> I don't know why my mind thought that way, maybe because those words sound so similar. So I thought execution is a much worse situation than persecution, so persecuting must not be that bad. But he describes what he means by persecuting the church in Acts chapter 26. Verses 9, 10, and 11. He says, this is how I operated as that person that I used to be. The person that I so much want to forget. The person that I am not remembering in the sense that I'm not letting it affect me now. But I, I, would, just, I would just review with you some of the things that were a part of my life. For one, I took Christians and I put them in prison. Secondly, I was one of those people who gave his vote for those very same Christians to be executed. I'm also one of those people who was active in encouraging, and that's not a positive thing, but I'm the one who was the instrument by which Christians would blaspheme. In other words, he would create circumstances for Christians that were so bad, so loathsome, so painful, exhausting, humiliating, that they would give up the name of Jesus, blaspheme the very name by which they had been saved. Paul says, that's the guy I was. I put the pressure on people. He said, and if that's not enough, I'm also that guy who was relentless. I chased after these Christians, even into foreign cities, to gather them up and to throw them into prison. In Acts chapter 8, there's a different kind of description. Paul isn't giving this description of himself. It's just a general description of the time, but it just turns out that it's describing one Saul of Tarsus, who became Paul the apostle. Get that? What he was was a person who, according to this text, wreaked havoc with the church. And he would go into houses and he would take men and women and he would deliver them to their persecution. He would throw them into prison. As a result of that, the persecution was so great that the church in Jerusalem was busted up. But did that stop the influence of the gospel? No, it didn't. Because verse 4 is a beautiful depiction that despite the persecution of which Paul was a headmaster, despite the persecution, the church was continuing to grow because in the midst of that persecution, members of the church went everywhere preaching the gospel. I'm pretty sure Paul would have liked to forget. Now, could he literally actually take some kind of 
indelible ink or some kind of mind control and block off those moments that he remembers that, that would wake him up at night and, and just create grief in his heart? Can he just go and blot that? No. But what Paul could do is say, yeah, I, I was that. I persecuted. I cast my vote. I chased them down like they were animals. But not now. That isn't who I am now. And I'm not going to even let the thoughts of that influence who I am today because it isn't just that I'm sorry for what happened, but Jesus died so that I wouldn't have to carry that guilt anymore. When he washed those sins away, I didn't have to remember them anymore. I'm, I'm different today. I'm a different person. But let's go to the other side of that. Some people don't necessarily remember the mistakes they've made. What they remember is a catalog of good things that they've done. You know, I've kind of accomplished all I could accomplish. I've been around the block. I've done everything for Jesus. And then kind of, I don't know, give up. Paul says with regard to that, I do not count myself to have apprehended. In other words, the very thing that Jesus called me to do and the thing that I aspire to do, after all these years, even in prison, the result of my faithfulness to the Lord, I even yet, even in this situation, do not believe that I've accomplished everything. I'm not there yet. I love that about Paul, don't you? He lived his entire life looking forward, not looking back. I'm thinking that would be true for us too. Isn't that right? You and I ought not, if we've had our sins forgiven, be dwelling on the past. We shouldn't have to deal with the stirring up of offenses that have been forgiven. In Hebrews chapter 8 and verse 12, that text reminds us of something that God said. Their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember, listen now, no more. Does that mean that God somehow also just blocks it out and has no... It's not that. But God is not bringing that up anymore. He is not using the events of the past in order to convict us now. That, that is past. My sin has been washed away. Now, I will say this. If your sin hasn't been washed away, then that sin ought to be ever before your eyes. It ought to cause you to lose sleep. But if your sins have been forgiven you, then they ought not be affecting us in our present circumstance and certainly not getting in the way of our moving forward. Wow, what about that? There were a lot of churches in the first century, all of which had been given this very same commission, all of which had been encouraged by the apostles themselves. But there are some churches, and one of which is mentioned in the book of Revelation, chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, a church that had begun well, you know, fired up for the Lord. Maybe, maybe they had a New Year's like we have. Just starting off the year right, on the right foot, doing great. But they got to the point where they didn't see things the way they really were. They became very complacent. In fact, so complacent that Jesus makes this observation. He says, you, you make me sick. 
<laughs> you're, you're neither cold nor hot. And here's what I want to do. I want to vomit you out of my mouth. Wow. What, why is that? Well, here's, here's what they had concluded about themselves. They said, we're rich, we're wealthy, we have need of nothing. But Jesus says, that is not what I see. What I see is that you're wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked, and you need to repent. So they thought they had it all together, right? We're good, we'll just rest on what we have. The Lord says, that is no way to be. You can't rest on the past, what has been accomplished. We've got to be moving forward. What is it that Luke 17 verse 10 tells us? That when a servant is told or commanded what it is that he is to do, and he does it, that here's what he ought to say. We're unprofitable servants. We have done what was our duty to do. In other words, we're never at the end. We can say with Paul, I, I do not count myself to have apprehended. No way. If I'm going to forget the past, I need to be doing something active. What I'm going to do is I'm going to reach for the future. Now, what does it mean to reach? Literally, it's the idea of stretching forth. You know, like a runner stretches at the end of the race, going to stretch ahead of maybe the competitor that's running with him step by step, but he's going to take that extra initiative to lunge forward. You just, just get the chest and just push as hard as they can to cross the finish line first to win. Some of you probably ran track. Maybe, maybe you were the front runner. You know exactly what that's like. You are putting everything that you've got into this race, and now that you've come to the end, you are not going to take any chance. You just throw yourself out there. That's the idea of reaching forward. It is not just some kind of lackadaisical effort. It is straining to move ahead. I see that often now in some of these football games. You see them? The guy looks like he's five yards away from the end zone, maybe further than that. And the pursuers have taken the right angle and they're just about to get him. He's on the sideline. His, the last step that the camera catches is foot that's barely in bounds. And then what does he do? He lunges forward. He is in the air for those last five yards. But what? He's got that ball. He's extending it out as far as he can. He is reaching forward. That's what we're talking about here in this text. But we have to ask ourselves, I know what the runner's reaching for. He's trying to cross that finish line first. What are we reaching for? Well, Paul tells us actually in the previous verse, verse 12, he says, not that I have obtained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Okay, let's do that in reverse. Jesus laid hold of me. He has an idea of what he can accomplish with me. And so I'm striving as best I can to make him happy, to satisfy Jesus' plan for me. And I'm on board. I say, yeah, I'm going to do that. So I'm going to keep pressing on. I'm going to keep doing what I can to accomplish what Jesus has called me to do. But... I haven't attained it and I'm not 
Well, there's the word perfected. He's reaching for perfection or attainment. If you go to verse 15 of Philippians chapter 3, you have another word in the English that's actually translated from the same family of words. Except this time it's not perfection. This time it's mature. Now you get it? It's not that I'm perfect in the sense that I'm sinless. I am not striving to be a sinless person. I am striving to be a mature, complete person. And the more mature and complete I get, you see this? The more knowledge, the more application to my life, the more experiences, the better then I will be at, well, not sinning and (laughs) being perfect. (laughs) I'm striving to mature. I'm striving to grow. What am I going to grow in? Here's a mistake that a lot of people make. Hear the gospel, maybe have, I don't know, 10 studies that result in a baptism right here. And that's a glorious day. We typically take pictures of it. Put it on Facebook. We are so happy. Uh, Begin well, have had our sins washed away. Faith has reached a zenith with us that resulted in that obedience. Action. But then... All of a sudden, the Bible studies stop. You know, the people that taught me now moved on to somebody else. And oftentimes, oftentimes, the root doesn't grow deep, become weak, led astray, whatever. What should have been happening there at that zenith of faith was that things should have then begun to be added to that faith. You know the text from 2 Peter Chapter 1, beginning at verse 5. But also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue. The virtue knowledge, knowledge self-control. Self-control, perseverance. Perseverance, godliness. Godliness, brotherly kindness. And a brotherly kindness, love. For if these things are yours and abound, you'll neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. Therefore, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you'll never stumble. For so an entrance will be supplied abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You want to have an assurance of heaven? Then you've got to do more than just come up out of that water and sit on a pew. You've got to be growing in that faith and adding all these attributes As your relationship with the Lord is growing, so these attributes are growing, so you are, you're reaching forward. You are striving. You are doing your very best to grow. That's what a musician does. You don't just pick, well, maybe some people do, but most of us don't just pick up one of those instruments and start playing it. Uh, working out in the orchestra. Wow, look at me. I just, just turns out I can read music and replicate it with my horn or whatever the instrument. No, that's not how that happens. The perfection, the maturity on that instrument comes as a result of hours and hours and hours of practice. Same thing with the athlete that we were talking about. How are you ever going to get to the Olympics? Most of us will never get to the Olympics because most of us do not have the dedication to a sport that is required to be the best in the whole world. How am I going to be a perfected Christian? 
a mature Christian. It's not going to be by just sitting on a pew. It's going to be by adding these things to my faith. And hey, I would just say again, what a great start. Being here on the first opportunity of the year. The sky's the limit. We've got to be growing, perfecting, maturing in our relationship with the Lord. So I'm going to forget what's behind. I'm going to reach forward to what's ahead. I'm going to press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Again, what does it mean to press? To press literally means to pursue a thing, to pursue it. Okay, here's a great example of that. It's from Hebrews chapter 12 at verse 2. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus wanted the joy. Jesus wanted to sit down beside the Father. How am I going to get that? Well, in order to get that, I have that prize, I first have to attain the goal. What's the goal? Die on the cross. Going to be the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. If I do that, then I'll receive the prize. I'll be exalted to the Father. Philippians chapter 2, verses 9, 10, and 11 says that God has highly exalted him, given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow, those in heaven, those on earth, those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So I've got to press toward the goal for the prize. I want the prize, but in order to get the prize, I've got to strive for that goal. If I'll do that, pretty satisfying descriptions of prizes. One was what we saw a few minutes ago from 2 Timothy chapter 4. Remember that? I fought the good fight, I finished the race, kept the faith. Finally, there's laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me in that day. And not to me only, but unto also all those who have loved his appearing. You and I, that's us. I know that because as the gospel was presented on the day of Pentecost, first presentation of the gospel there to the Jews, yes, that resulted, that repentance and baptism resulted in the remission of sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit. But he says in verse 39, and this promise is to you and to your children and to those who are far off, as many as the Lord our God shall call. As long as the gospel is making its call, there are people responding to it and there are people who are putting themselves in place through this perseverance, through this maturing process of that crown that is a promise to the faithful. Revelation chapter 2 verse 10 tells us exactly who's given it. Be faithful until death, Jesus says, and I will give you the crown of life. Forget what's behind you. Reach forward to what's head. Press toward the goal. Paul said, this one thing I do. This one thing. And that was pressing toward that goal. You've got to make the commitment to be involved in that process. So these two guys were in the lunchroom. Both of them had lunch pails. 
One opened it up. Wow, man. Oh, that's such a great cook. I love this. She fixed my favorite sandwich. Day two, same thing. Day three, special little note, whatnot, but delicious meal. Friday, he has enjoyed this great meal all week long. But his buddy, totally different reaction every single day. He opened it up the first day. <sighs> meatloaf sandwich. I hate meatloaf. In the world. Day two, hopeful but still meatloaf sandwich. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Friday, he was just disgusted. Hardly wanted to open up the thing, but he opened it. Yeah, meatloaf sandwich again. His buddy said, look, do what I do. Just tell your wife you want something different every day. He said, wife? I don't have a wife. I make my own sandwich. <laughs> but isn't that what we do? You, in effect, you are making your own sandwich every day. You choose whether it's going to be the same old, same old every day. And every day you may, in effect, open up your lunch pail. You look at your life and you say, why is my life like this? Why does this keep happening to me? Why this? Why that? Just complain, complain. Why? Or you can change the menu. But there isn't anybody else going to be able to do that for you. You have got to decide that today is going to be different. Today is not going to be a meatloaf sandwich. Today I'm going to fix something that is going to be good for me. Something that is going to help me to reach forward. This was a great start. But do you need to make a, a public commitment of that? Do you need our prayers as an encouragement? We're going to give you an opportunity to respond. And I'll tell you, we'll take as much time as it requires in order to pray of the concerns that you have about facing this new year with the hope and prayer that this is not going to be like it has been before. We're going to be ever reaching forward. If you're not a child of God today, today's the day. First day, you took the first step. Well, not step now out of that pew into the aisle. Come these few steps further, recognizing Jesus as the Son of God publicly confessing that faith and repenting of the sin in your life. You can be buried in water, have your sins washed away, rise up in newness of life. You will have begun in the very po best possible way. If there's anybody who needs to respond for any reason, now's your opportunity. Why don't you come if you need to while we stand together and sing. Hark the gentle voice of Jesus calleth tenderly
be a lasting did my Savior be. Alas, and did my Savior time. If you'll raise your hand, the ushers will provide you with them. <clears throat> with the holiday season just behind us, we're often Many of us watch a lot of holiday movies, and one of my personal favorites is It's a Wonderful Life. In Peter Bailey's office, there's a frame on the wall with some words written in it. It says, all you can take with you is which you have given away. And the first time I noticed and read this, a scripture came to mind, which is Luke 6, 38. Scripture says, give and it shall be given unto you good measure, pressed down and shaken together, and running over shall men give into your bosom. For with the same measure that ye meet with all, it shall be measured you again. When we look at this and kind of think about the measure that's been given to us and with what Christ gave, you know, he gave everything. We look at that and with what we've received um, compared to it, of our ability to understand his love and we love him because he first loved us. With this in mind, let's give thanks for the bread. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this day. We're ever so thankful for this opportunity we have. Lord, we're so thankful for this bread that we have that represents thy body. Lord, we pray that, that it will be taken to glorify thee in, in a well, manner well-pleasing in thy sight. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.
In the same manner, let's give thanks for the cup. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord. We thank you for all. Lord, we're ever so thankful the sacrifice that was given for each one of us. Lord, we're thankful for thy blood that we're able to contact. Well, Lord, pray as we partake of this cup. Pray, Lord, we'll do it remembering thee. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. This morning, the ushers will be passing the offering plates. If we would let's give thanks of how God's blessed us. Dear Heavenly Th Father, we thank Thee, Lord, for our abilities to go out and work and earn and do. Lord, we're thankful for the great blessings we've received. Lord, we're so thankful for, for all that we have and all that we're to be a steward of. Lord, pray, Lord, this morning we'll give. Pray, Lord, we'll do it with a cheerful heart. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. begin uh, this new year, we've got a couple of things. I know that if God grants us the opportunity to continue the great work that Brother Ken talked about this morning that he's blessed us with this last year into this new year, you will begin to fill out your calendar. You'll begin to mark things on your calendar. So I have a couple of things to challenge you with this morning. First of all, I challenge you to go ahead and put June 12 on your calendar. Saturday, June 12, 2023, if God grants us to see the sun rise that day, that's the date for our Saturday, Super, uh, our Super Saturday Bible School. Um, we've gone ahead and set that date. So my challenge to you is, uh, what did I say? It's June 10. When I'm here in 12 and 10. Is it? Well, don't show up on Monday because I won't be here. Apparently, I was looking at the 2022 calendar. So as those of you who know me well know, I have started off exactly the way you expected. So uh, Saturday, June the 10th, uh, we go ahead and set that calendar or set that date for a reason. 
Uh, and the good thing about working here, I would never leave this job because the good thing is, is that everybody else knows what's happening. So why would I not want to head up something like that? But go ahead now. Here's the challenge. You go ahead and mark that second Saturday and you see that on your calendar. And I want to be real kind in the way I say this, but also challenging. Make sure that starting today that everything else that comes up as the summer begins to unfold has to work around that day and not the other way around because you have already committed to that Saturday and begun praying for it and planning for it and being a part of it last year. Folks, I want to tell you something. I had a problem last year that I have never had in my entire life in serving the Lord, uh, and that is I had to find places to put people because I had more workers than I had uh, original places to put them, so I had to expand. Uh, I can deal with that. Uh, so please uh, put that on your calendar. Second thing is that the elders have kind of asked me to, uh, to uh, be uh, not in charge but kind of take care of. Uh, every year our elders will make sure that every child who's a part of this congregation gets to go to summer camp, either Maywood um, or Mid-South. And the Sweeney's are going to take care of, of this end of the Mid-South. But uh, Mid-South and Maywood, they are both, you know, we laugh sometimes, but they are both premier Christian camps. So either one of those that you go to, go to one of those camps. Go to both. Uh, we've got kids here that go three times. But with that said, very quickly, is that this year registration for Maywood opens uh, tomorrow at 10 o'clock. So if you plan to go session three, which is Tony Brown's week, uh, campers, uh, if you don't register by 10.03, you're probably on the waiting list. So uh, you need to be aware of that. So there's session three, Tony Brown's week, session eight, mine, uh, my week, and Terry Smith's week. Um, the church will pay half for a, a, a member, a child from here to go to either Mid-South or Maywood uh, one time. So... The, what we want you to do is please go ahead, when you register your child, let me know uh, if that child is going to Maywood so I can compile a list and have an idea because many of you didn't even, and some of you who knew, didn't know that the church does pay for half of that. But let us know. Just remember, though, it, it, the registration opens tomorrow, 10 o'clock, so go ahead and get that uh, commitment already made as well. Thank you very much. Good morning. We have 300 people here today. Uh, considerably, I think we might have had a, a, miss, a typo last week. We had more than 228. But I don't have any um, announcements in front of me, but do know that uh, we do have a lot to pray for, a lot of people to uh, keep in our prayers, um, a lot to be thankful for. And uh, just because I don't have it written down, we all know and uh, we sure have uh, responsibilities. So with that, uh, please pray with me. Heavenly Father, on this first day of the week and this first day of the year, may we, well, we are so grateful. And Father, may we not become complacent in the days in, to come. May we keep our eyes on the prize. May we not pat ourselves on the back because, Father, we know that 
everything we have. We know where it comes from. Father, may pride not seep its way into our lives and destroy what we are supposed to do. Father, we know that around the world there's pain and there's agony and there's evil going on. We know there's wars. We know there are lost souls. Father, we pray for them. And Father, we, may we try to find ways to help everyone we can. May we always do the right thing. And as this day today and the same as over 2,000 years ago when your son walked this earth, may we always remember why he did and for eternity why he did and how grateful we are and how blessed we are, Father. And in your son's name we pray, amen.